nobody sang along. Can y'all sing? Can y'all hit that note? <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. Well, how many of you know that friends can be a blessing and friends can be a curse? Friends can help us to do the right thing. Many times friends help us do the wrong thing and very often, Michael Thatcher, friends help us do the goofy thing, right? Right? <laughs> nothing goofy happened at youth camp this week, did it? Michael and Trisha went as sponsors. Nothing, nothing goofy, goofy ever happens at, at youth camp. Well, today I want you to think about the people that you allow to influence your lives. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Specifically, I want to ask you this. What did they, what did they influence you to do? that you would, have, would not have done if they had not been around, right? Because it's always, well, they said this and they did, and they were, and they, what did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they had not been around? All right, and we're going we're gonna to talk about they today. They carry a lot of weight in our lives. They are always speaking stuff into our lives. And so what I want to know is, are you listening to the right they or are you listening to the wrong they? And then we're going to ask it this way. <clears throat> what did the right they influence you to do that you would not have done if they had not been around? What did the wrong they influence you to do that you would not have done if they hadn't been around? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you understood just a glimpse of what God has in store for you, you would not believe it. And here's what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Paul is talking to the Ephesian church and he says this, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He doesn't, he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. God has some giant stuff, some God sized stuff that he wants to accomplish through his power in us. And God always does God sized stuff. So if you can handle something in your life on your own, you don't need God. God does things that require God's power. And anytime God wants to use an ordinary Christian. And by the way, let me just stop right there. Every Christian who's ever walked to the face of the earth is an ordinary Christian. There's no such thing as a great man of God or a great woman of God. There is a great God who delights to use men and women. Are you with me? It's like, you know, I told you my pet peeve a few weeks ago was the power of prayer. You can pray to a doorknob and there's no power in that prayer. The power comes from a God who hears your prayer and answers. That, that when God uses you to do something, he gets the glory because he will not share that with you. So, so don't quit talking about people being a great man of God or a great woman of God. No, no, that takes the focus off of God. There is a great God who in his, his infinite uh, wisdom and grace decides to use you and me, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And when he does that, he gets the glory. And he's all about bringing glory to his own name. That's why he saved you and me was so that he could show for all ages... <laughs> Some of you, you're going to get this more than others. The reason God saved you was to show his goodness, not yours. And then when he saves you and he cleans you up, he displays you for all eternity, for everyone to see that he is a good, powerful, loving God. So if God wants to use little old me and he wants to use little old you to do God-sized stuff, why doesn't he just do it? Well, many times it's because of this little word, they. We're going to call this the sway of they. We've got to recognize who has the most sway in our lives, and we need to be swayed by those people who are pursuing God, not those people who are going the other direction. 
In this, uh, in this first scene, well, I showed you the opening song, but this scene, I want you to see the three friends, they've lost their jobs. They got a little cocky and asked for too much money. They get, they get booted out of the, the Hollywood set and, and they're running around in their boxers and in their, you know, their, their, uh, nice shirts. And they feel like in order to accomplish anything in life, they have to go get their costumes back. Their three amigos costumes. Now, let me just say this. Anytime you say to a friend, you have a question, you say, why are we doing this? And they go, it's the only way. Anytime a friend says to you, it's the only way, run, because there's always another way. You're about to get in trouble. That's what's happening here. Wouldn't it be easier if we just went to Flugelman and asked him for our Amigo costumes? No, no, Flugelman hates us right now. He's never going to give us our costumes. Lucky's right. This is the only way. It's okay. It's okay. It's a, it's a funny movie. I don't know how many times I've seen the movie, and there's still parts of this that, that make me laugh, especially that whole scene. Look up here. That's kind of a sign that, that your friends are too dumb to be doing anything wrong with if you, if you have to get their attention like that. Well, I want to show you a story in the Bible that talks about they, and there's the wrong they and the right they in the Bible. There's this dude named Nehemiah, and he was about... Uh, he, he knew about the sway of they because Nehemiah did something that they said could not be done. Nehemiah had this sweet job in the Persian government and he asked permission from the king if he can go to Jerusalem and, and rebuild the walls around the city. People had tried for years. They had not succeeded. And we don't really understand um, about city walls. We don't, we don't understand that. But think about it this way. Back in 440 BC, that's when, when they, uh, this was going on, city walls were huge because they provided protection from rebel rousers, from animals, whatever. They couldn't just walk in the city and stick their nose in your business. What I was thinking about this weekend while I was kind of studying through this, 
I was remembering back in 2010 when we first went to Haiti and there were tent cities everywhere. And, and one of the hardest places to provide security for people was in a tent city. Because when, when you have a tarp and that is the wall between you and the other people around you, there's not a whole lot of security there. And so they had a lot of trouble with that. And, and each year there were fewer and fewer tent cities. They tried to get people in places that, that, that had walls that could provide some protection. And I was thinking about this too, because, um, back in 1997, Rachel was just two months old. Caleb was three years old. We went on a a mission trip to Montana. We went and helped build a church up there in Montana. Well, on our way back, we go through, um, Yellowstone national park and, uh, I'll never forget we got to this one area of the park and it says no tent camping here. And then there was a little thing underneath it. It said, you must have walls. And so I started asking around and and one of the park rangers said, well, because if you have a tent there, you get eaten. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know, right? They they don't really worry about a cloth. And I don't know if there's, if there's tigers, but I'm out mountain lions. There are bears. I've seen them. People driving along in Yellowstone Park and they see a bear. They stop in the middle of the road, throw their doors open and run out to take a picture. Dumb, dumb, wrong they, wrong they, don't follow them. They tell you when you come in the park, they say, don't take pictures of the wild animals because they will eat you. Okay, so if you have the idea that that you don't want to be in a tent or you don't want to be in a tent city, you kind of understand what it means when, when they don't have a wall around Jerusalem. It meant the city was defenseless. It meant they were helpless. People could come in at any time. That's what was going on. So Nehemiah asked permission from the king, and because the favor of God was on Nehemiah, not only did the king give him permission, but he wrote letters to everyone around saying, Nehemiah has my permission. He gave him money. He gave him supplies to go and rebuild the city walls. So he gets there and he gets the right they around him. And as soon as the right they began doing this incredible work, guess who shows up? The wrong they. It happens in churches. It happens in businesses. It happens in small groups. It happens in youth groups. Whenever God gets the right they together, the wrong they always come in and try to mess things up. Let me read you about the wrong they in Nehemiah 2, verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite officer, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they made fun of us and laughed at us. Which, which they are they? The right they or the wrong they? Wrong day. Make sure we're on the right page. They, the wrong day said, what are you doing? Are you turning against the king? Nehemiah, dude, you had a job. There's a king over this area. You know, if you build up the walls that you're just, you're rebelling against the king because they're trying to scare him, right? Look what Nehemiah says. But I answered them, the wrong day. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but you have no share, claim, or memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a God-sized job to do, and he decided that he would step up and do the job. He wouldn't wait for others to do the job. Time out. The reason so many churches in America are struggling and failing and closing their doors is because too many ordinary Christians, and by the way, that's all of us, are sitting on their butts waiting for somebody else to do the work of God. God never intended for the preacher to do all the work. That's not even scriptural. The the preacher was given to the church to equip the church to do the work. My job is to lead and to feed. Your job is to feed and then go do the work. When we get that right, people will come and we'll have to build bigger buildings because we can't get enough people. We don't have enough seats in here. 
we're, we're planning in, in the fall to go to two services uh, in the middle of October, and, and we're going to need more and more of you to step up because we're going to need to have child care workers in the, in the early service. We're going to have to have child care workers in the second service. We basically have to duplicate everything uh, back in the children's area. We need ordinary people. That's you. That's me. To step up and say, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do the job. I'm going to do the job. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, I'm going to do the job. And he surrounded himself with the right they. And if we're smart, now now I know those words, if we're smart. I know, I know that's a big if, right? Because we do dumb things. I do dumb things all the time, right? If we're smart, we'll surround ourselves with the right they. Because they'll help us stay on the right path. Now... The three amigos are not very smart. And I want you to watch what happens when the wrong they shows up in their lives. Y'all know who he is, right? What's his name? El Guapo. (laughs) So the wrong they shows up. Watch their reaction because this could have been the reaction of Nehemiah. Had it been the reaction of Nehemiah, we wouldn't be reading his story today. But I want you to see how they react to the wrong they. They are going to kill us. What am I doing in Mexico? I've been shot already. I know. What are we going to do? We're not going to get paid, that's for sure. Let me talk to him. Man to man. Guapo, I'd just like to say that on behalf of the three amigos, we're very, very sorry. We'd like to go home now. You see, sir, we're not gunfighters. We're movie stars. Movie stars? Yeah, um, actors, uh, entertainers. You know, we sing and dance. Yeah, uh, you know. My little buttercup has the sweetest smile. (laughs) Don't you want to die like dogs? Well, if there's any way of avoiding that part of it. El guapo only kills men. (laughs) He does not keep crying women. So go, you big movie stars. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Mr. Guapo. He leaves off the L. Mr. Guapo. And the... If there's any way we cannot die like dogs, too often we react to the wrong they by getting scared and running away from what God has called us to do. The wrong they always wants you to turn your back on God. Nehemiah says to the wrong they, you have no share, no claim, no inheritance in what God is about to do here. Sometimes we need to say that to the wrong they. And if you could, sh- if you could see what God has planned for your life, you'd shake your head, you'd say, no way, God would say way because he is God and he can do anything. You and I are limited 
We're only limited by which they we hang out with. We're only limited by which they we hang out with. Now, I want to tell you just two things real quickly about the wrong they, and then we're going to look at the right they. The wrong they keep us frozen in fear. The right they come and talk to Nehemiah, and he, he writes in Nehemiah four twelve. he says this, Then the Jewish people, the Jewish people were the right they, who lived near our enemies, came and told us ten times. That's pretty funny to me. Everywhere you turn, the enemy, the wrong they, will attack us. So they came and warned him, we've heard these plans, the wrong they, they're going to try to attack you, they're going to try to stop you, because they do not want Jerusalem, the city of God, to be rebuilt. The wrong they do not want the kingdom of God to flourish. Would you say that, that things are quite different in our day than just 10 years ago when it comes to Christians, when it comes to churches? Do, do, do just ordinary people that, that aren't Christians, do they want to see churches succeed or, or fail? They want to see them fail. It is, it is astonishing how far things have come in my lifetime from where the church was the pillar of the community to now it's kind of the outcast of the community. And, and so we can't, we can't just beat our, 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 our tables and we can't just beat our breasts and say, oh my goodness, the darkness is just getting darkner, darkner, darker. We're supposed to be the light. If the darkness is dark, it's because our, our light has been put out. We're supposed to be salt, which delays rot. How how is that working out for the, the church in America? Not so well. There's 18 of us going to Haiti this next week, and we're going to, by the time y'all get to church next Sunday morning, we'll already be back in our bunks trying to take a nap because church will be over. Um, if we go to Mariani, it starts at 7. If we go to Cote Plage, it starts at 6. And, and they are going to, people will start walking for miles in their best dress clothes so that they can, they can worship a God with other people and the worship will be unbelievable. Those of you who hadn't been before, you'll watch these people who have nothing worship God in spirit and in truth because he's their everything. I think that's part of the deal is Satan has, has so blessed us. And, and if you look back through history, you watch what happens. Whenever Satan, um, whenever a, a country or a group of people are, are tried to, they try to keep you away from God, Christianity flourishes. It grows like crazy because people say, well, if the government's against this, there must be something that's going on here, whether it's kings or whether it's governments or whatever. Anytime that it becomes... Um, Freedom of religion over a period of time, 200 years, 250 years, 300 years, we start losing our religious freedoms because we take for granted that freedom. It's what's happening in our country. So we must be light and we must be salt. We must do our job. They keep us frozen in fear. The wrong they show up, they attack us. We take our eyes off of God and, and we begin to listen to the wrong they and we get scared. And that's what happened to the Jews. So look what Nehemiah does in chapter 4, verse 13. Nehemiah was, was pretty smart. And let me just say this. Nehemiah had courage not because he was a great guy. He had courage because when he first heard about the walls, he asked. He said, what's going on in Jerusalem? In chapter 1. And, and they told him. And he said when he heard about the spiritual condition of his brothers and sisters um, in Jerusalem, he first, he, he wept. And then he fasted. Then he mourned. Then he prayed over the spiritual condition of his people, of his, of his homeland. He was in exile in another country, but when he heard, he prayed. And after a period of praying, that's when God gave him this idea, this vision of you go build the wall. And he's working for the king. And because he saw God, whenever the wrong they showed up, he responds like this. 
So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families and armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is when I'm afraid, I look to God and I say, God, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. Every time we've done something major in this church, you know, where we try to raise money and I look around and I go, nobody here has any money. And we do something all the time. I'm going, God, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. You know, when we needed $20,000 to buy this land back here, um, coming to a church, we were trying to get $20,000 on one day. And, and anyway, long story, the, the wrong they are going, why are you even doing this? The right they are saying, God can, can provide. The wrong they are saying, oh, we shouldn't be focusing on that. The right they are saying, God can provide. And so we come to the day kind of with trembling, fear and trembling. And, and you know what? It wasn't act, on Sunday, but by Tuesday, we had $20,710. I think God just gave us the extra 710 to say, I will meet you and provide for you however big your faith is, right? Whenever we've had something like that, I go into it saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm going to look like a fool and the people, the wrong they are going to get mad. Maybe even some of the right they are going to get mad because you idiot. You, you. I mean, that's, that's the stuff that Satan whispers in my ear all the time. And he attacks and I got a lot of by the ways today because I got a little extra time. Built in a little extra time today. Uh, when we first started the church in 2002, there was a group of people that I met with um, every week and we talked about services and we talked about things. And one of them asked me this just in the middle. I don't even remember how it came up. He said, he goes, hey, I got a question for you. Because this one, cell phones, you know, they were, they were, everybody had cell phones and we were starting to call everybody all the time and, and texting was kind of catching on and And he said, I I have a question for you. How many phone calls have you had in this last week that were church related? So I kind of went through and I started, and you know, we still had a landline back then. That was the old days. And, And I started thinking about it. And I said, I probably had 40 or 50 phone calls this week related to the church. And, and for some reason, God gave him this question. He said, he said, how many of those phone calls were positive? I said, well, tell me what you mean. He said, where somebody was building into you, where somebody was saying something nice about you or about the church, not just they need something. We need, we need, we need. And so I started going back through those days and and I said, best I can tell, two. He said, how many texts, how many emails? We started, so it got up to about 100 phone calls, emails, texts. 98 of them were draining, two were positive. And, and for some reason, God brought this to my mind this week, because in this last week, you know, lots of phone calls, lots of texts, lots of e- more than, than ever. And, and two of them, two, two times in this last week, somebody built me up. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that because I want, I want an avalanche. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. But, but I'll tell you this last week, I told John this earlier, we were talking, he got here early today. And I said, this message was for me. I hope God uses it in your life because this week, the wrong they spoke many things into my life. And the wrong they had me taking my eyes off of God and looking at my problems. And, and I told the band, I was, I was mad on Thursday. I was mad just all day. And, and by the grace of God, nobody showed up because I'm not a very nice person when I'm mad. 
Janie didn't show up. I wasn't around the, the, the girls. I was just mad. And, and when I'm studying, all of a sudden God says, hello. Now, if I were God, I'd go, idiot. But God doesn't do that. And, and just through the process of studying for this, God has restored my, my vision of him. And there's two people in this church that, that said some really cool things to me this week. And it was just enough to get me through the valley. And, and so why I tell you that is because everybody's having a hard time, right? Let me, let's, let's just ask, how many of you have had a hard time in the last month? How many of you have had a hard time at some point in 2015? Everybody? You need the right they who will pay attention and pour value into you. Because the wrong day is all around. Now, so the, the, the first thing is the wrong they, they, they keep you in fear. And did you know that there are 365 fear knots in the Bible? There's one for every day of the year. Because God knew that fear would be one thing that, that we would struggle with. Second thing that the wrong they do is they keep you off of God's path. Misery loves company. The wrong they are miserable and they want you to be miserable too. So they'll do everything to sabotage your relationship with God. And I don't know how many of you have heard this, but I've heard this many times in my life. Somebody will say, well, it's fine if you want to go to church. It's fine if you want to talk about a God and Jesus and all that stuff. But don't you be bringing that stuff around me. You ever heard that? So wait, 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 wait. You accuse people of being um, hypocrites, church people of being hypocrites, and then you want me to be different when I'm around you than I am normally, so you want me to be a poser? What's wrong with that picture? I want to be consistent, and if I can't be consistent around you, then, then I don't need to be around you. You're in the wrong they camp. And I want you to see what, what uh, Scripture says about the wrong they 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will what? You need to get this. Bad friends will what? Every time I go see somebody in, in jail. Well, I had these friends. And we've sat around, many of us sat around. I had these friends. I had these friends. And it's kind of funny now. But it wasn't funny at the time, was it? When I had to call my dad and, Dad, I'm in jail. Two o'clock in the morning. Good, you keep your butt there. And I was like, yes, sir. And I'm about to hang up. And right as I'm serious, I was putting it back in the cradle because I thought, I'm spending the night in jail. And Dad goes, wait a minute. I picked it up and he said, what do you need? This was in 1982. I said, I need $200. I'll be there in a minute. And see, all the, all the wrong they were sitting there and nobody else would call their dad first. They didn't really put us in a jail cell because they knew us. I mean, we we're in a small town like Palestine and all of us were seniors. Oh my gosh, it was just, they knew us. And the cops are going, y'all are some kind of stupid. I mean, just telling us, you're idiots. Well, yes, sir, let's go. And so they said, who's going to call first? And, and the deacons at First Baptist Church, their sons were sitting there. I ain't calling my dad. I ain't calling my dad. I said, I'll call my dad. And they're like, so everybody's sitting there, you know, and, and just scared. The moral of that story is don't hang out with Baptists. 
<laughs> Not really. Um, but I will, I've told you this before, I never got in trouble when I was with the Methodist kids. Now, I'm not saying we didn't do things wrong when I was with the Methodist kids. The Methodist kids were smarter than the Baptist kids. That's, that's what I came up with. Bad, bad people, bad friends will destroy you. And so many people are mad at God because of their own choices. They, they choose to follow these people who are walking away from God. And then when they find themselves far from God, they're mad at God because they're on the wrong road. God, you could have stopped me. Yes, he could have, but it would not have been love. Because if he forces you to love him, that's not love. He wants you to choose him. Coolest thing in the world was when Janie chose me. Somebody said, you're, you're above all others. That's awesome. God gets that feeling every time a lost person bows the knee before God. That's love and that's what God is after. Now, I want you to get this. I should have put this on the listening guide. Nehemiah didn't stop doing the work of God to argue with the wrong they. This is where we get in trouble. Facebook. Don't even argue with the wrong they. Because all you do is look foolish. And then if you start bringing in the word of God and trying to beat people over the head with the word of God, well, God says, God says. All it does is tarnish the image of the incredible God. The Bible says even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. But when you start airing things out there, you look like an idiot. I'm not saying, preacher said I'm an idiot. <laughs> no. You just look like one. Stop it. Now, in this, in this next scene, the amigos have an epiphany. They realize that their reputation in the United States is dead. You know, they're in Mexico. And so, so the smallest, Ned, Ned has this epiphany and he says, my sir, men. And he draws a line in the sand. Check this out. nothing of yours here. El Wapo has taken everything. Sorry. Did you see a pair of cufflinks? They were mother of pearl. Dusty. Where's Carmen? El Wapo has taken her too. Sooner the better. It's too hot down here. Bad for my hay fever. We don't belong down here anyway. Where's Ned? Ned, what are you doing? 
What do we have to go back to? You have no jobs, no money, no place to live, no friends, no women, no self-respect. Oh, oh, no, wait, wait. Then we could get killed. Back there, the three amigos are already dead. Here we could be the three amigos for real. Drawing a line. Men are mice. What'll it be? They get some courage. It took one, it took one of them to encourage the rest of them. So let me let me tell you real quickly how you do you find the right they. The right they have a capital H E in the middle. T H E, and that means God is the center of their universe. And let me just give you some some you know I don't do this very often, but an acrostic. They, the right they are number one tough. A sold out Christian will die for his belief. So don't you dare tell me that Christians are weak. A sold-out Christian, someone who, who, who beats an addiction, that's courageous. Someone who will die for their faith, that's courageous. Someone who will confront wrongs and stand on their principles, that's courageous. Weakness is running away. So don't tell me that someone who follows God is weak. Jesus Christ on the cross was the strongest statement you'll ever see. Weak people have got all kinds of secrets that they're hiding because they're worried about what the wrong they are going to think about them. New Life Community Church is for real people with real problems who believe there are real answers in a Savior named Jesus Christ. Do not tell me that people around here are weak who are following Jesus. Second, they're honest. The right they love you enough to tell you the truth. Because if you enable someone to keep doing destructive things, you don't really love them. You need to tell them the truth in love. I love you too much to watch you destroy your life. I love you too much to watch you destroy your kids. I love you too much to watch you destroy your marriage. Now, some of you have the right day in your lives, but you're not listening. Students, the right day more than likely is your parents or or the youth pastor or people in the student ministry. We have people in here from the student ministry. They are speaking the right things into your lives and you're not listening. The right day know more than you. 
You need to have the right day in your life. Some of you are single and, and people are saying, do not go do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't connect with that person. Don't go there. And you're going, oh, I'm going to do my own thing because I know what's best. No, you don't. The right day always know more than you. Some of you, th- th- you're married and your marriages are struggling and the right day are telling you the right things. You're going, no, I don't want to do that because I feel like this. Your feelings are going to get you in a lot of trouble. The right day know what, they know more than you and they know what uh, you should do. In this last scene, the, the amigos become the right day for the people of Santo Poco. Watch this. someday. For some, shyness might be their El Guapo. For others, a lack of education might be their El Guapo. For us, El Guapo is a big dangerous guy who wants to kill us. But as sure as my name is Lucky Day, the people of Santa Poco can conquer their own personal El Guapo, who also happens to be the actual El Guapo. We want to defend ourselves, but how? By using the skills and the talents of the people of Santa Poco. This is not a town of weaklings. You can turn your skills against El Guapo. Now, what is it that this town really does well? We can sow. There you go. You can sew. Ah. If only we had known this earlier. Ned, Dusty. Sewing. Remember our film, Amigos, Amigos, Amigos? Yes. Remember what we did in that movie? Gee, do you think it could work? It's got to work. It's our only hope. (laughs) Sewing. Hmm. Hmm. Now, the, the right they are encouraging. They're going to build you up. Even when you blow it, they're going to say you have a future. And, and God's not interested as much in your past as he is in your future, redeeming you and using you. The right they may speak the truth to you in love, but they see you and love you warts and all. And, and don't you, wouldn't you agree that life is too short to hang out with whiners? I, I, I don't like whining. Find folks who love God and and love you and invest your life in them. Then the last one, number four, the right they are yielded. And what I mean is they humble themselves before God. You don't have to ask the right they, you don't have to ask whether they're a Christian or not. Some people say, well, because the first question I always ask, you tell me you're dating somebody, I'm going to say, are they a believer? Well, they go to church. That is not what I ask you. Do they follow Jesus? Well, I think so. No, you don't have to think so. The right day, you don't have to wonder whether God's in the center of their life. Their life revolves around God. The people you don't want to date, the people you don't want to marry, are the ones who think they are the center of the universe because they want you to bow down to them. And it's just nothing but heartache. 
Um, so who are the right they? They are people with he right in the middle of their lives. God gives us the ability to look for the right they. And when you find them, you need to listen to what they have to say. Because they are going to put you on a path towards God and ultimately towards success. Now, let me give you just a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to pray for the folks going to Haiti, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Right after church today, uh, Class 101, if you're interested in joining New Life, you can come out here. Whether you signed up or not, that's okay. We've got child care. We've got some food coming, and we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll take care of the kids as well uh, for food, so just uh, stay around out here. We'll set up some tables, and we'll have that class. We'll be out of here by 1.30. Um, Haiti mission trip. Those of you on the trip, uh, go ahead and come up front and kind of just, um, kneel here or sit on the steps for just a second. Um, if you're in here going on, going to Haiti, come on down. Um, we do need, we need some more, uh, fuzzy sticks, the pipe cleaners. If you can have these here at the church by Wednesday, I think they're just like a buck for whatever, how many, this, this is one of the favorite, stop it, sit down. Um, (laughs) <laughs> if it hadn't been Mike, I, I wouldn't have done that. He's slapping high fives with George. Put him in front of a crowd. Um, it's just because you're distracting. All right. But I do love you, and, and we'll be bunkmates. We'll be bunkmates in, in Haiti. Uh, so we need these uh, by Wednesday because we're going to pack them and, and take them with us. That's the best one of the best crafts that we do. Um, up here at the front, I have some orange wristbands. And what I have here is a list of everybody that's going on the trip. Y'all kind of just spread those out and put them on the step behind you. So what I'm asking you to do, if you don't want to wear one of these wristbands, that's okay. Take it, put it on your keychain, put it on the, the mirror in your car. The success of our trip is based on how much time we spend in prayer before God, asking him to protect us and to bless us and help us connect with people. We're staying at a place we hadn't stayed before. We're staying at the orphanage. We've visited every year, so we're very familiar with Sister Mona. We're familiar with most of the kids. A lot of them will recognize us, but we're actually staying in, in the their dorm now. They just completed it this year. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time, but anytime you go to a different culture, there's all kinds of things that, that you know could happen, and we're just going to pray that God's going to go ahead of us. Every year, God God does amazing things, and it's because we ask him to. We bow and we humble ourselves before him. So we're asking you all to come get a wristband, get a, get a, a piece of paper. If you want to wear them all week, that's cool, because people will ask you all week, what is the wristband for? And you get to tell them about the Haiti mission trip. And every time you see the wristband or you're reminded of it, I want you to stop and, and say a prayer for somebody on that um, list. A friend of mine just went to Belize. Uh, one of my best friends, pastor friend, they had somebody who had a, a uh, nut allergy and long story short they stopped to get some some ice cream the the girl in front of her got some pecans pralines whatever got a, a scoop of that they didn't wash the thing off and they then she asked for for her ice cream well she she licks it her tongue touches a pecan and they said within seconds her lips started swelling up and she went into anaphylactic shock and they, they rushed her back to the dorm. Luckily, she had an EpiPen. They had to use the EpiPen. The doctor, when they saw her, said, you were seconds away from death. Now, I don't tell you that to scare you. I tell you that to say, God is in control, and we need God to watch over us because there's no, there's no safer place to be than in the center of God's will. There's no more dangerous place to be than outside of God's will. I believe every one of these people, and there's 18 of us total going, have been called by God to go. So we're asking him, what I pray all the time is, God, in the Old Testament, when when they would go out to war, they would have this big banner in the front, and it would declare whose army it was. 
And so a lot of times you've heard um, Chris Tomlin's song, um, The God of Angel Armies is Always by My Side. Well, well, the idea is we're declaring that God is, is, we're God's army. And we ask him to be our banner. And then there's another term in the Old Testament, the reared guard. You wanted, you wanted the best fighters protecting the back in case they did a sneak attack. So I ask God all the time, this is what I'm asking you to pray, that God will be our banner and our rear guard so that even if somebody did have a nut allergy, even if something happened, God will put the right people in the right place to save their lives. And then he's putting us in Haiti to make a difference. So if you would just, uh, here's what we're going to do. We'll do it this way. We're going to pray and then before you leave, if you would come up and get a wristband and get one of the, the sheets, 18 people on here and just be praying for us, start now. Because <laughs> a lot of times things happen during the week that, that try, Satan's going to try. The wrong day are going to try to keep people from going. Satan's going to try to keep people from going to Haiti. We need you. This is one way you can participate is to pray for these folks. Uh, y'all stand up. Everybody stand up. I'm going to voice a prayer out loud, but I'm going to ask you to pray silently. Look at somebody up here, um, whether you know them or not, would you just say a prayer right there that God will protect them and use them in a mighty way? And then I'll voice a prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father, would you forgive me for daring to take my eyes off you this last week and look at circumstances and look at people and listen to folks that that had a message that was not from you. Forgive me for that, God. And I think there's probably a lot of folks here who are in that same boat. Bills come in, we think that bills have the last say. Critical people say things and, and we start listening to what they have to say instead of running to you, our Heavenly Father, and just basking in who you are and realizing that that although we do make mistakes, you're bigger than our mistakes and you love us like a perfect Heavenly Father. So help us just to rest in you today. God, I thank you for these 10 folks here and the other eight that are on the list to go. And I pray, God, that you would go ahead of us as we travel to DFW, as we get on the plane, as we fly to Fort Lauderdale, as we fly to to Haiti. God, would you be our banner and our rear guard. And then as we get on the bus with Praying Pelican, as we go to the the, uh, orphanage, as we go to Mariani to work on the church, God, I look forward. I love walking up that hill and seeing those kids come down and recognize our group and remember us and just come and crawl all over us. I'm, I'm so looking forward to those relationships this week, Lord. And help us to communicate, even though there's a language barrier, help us to communicate that that Jesus loves kids in Haiti who have nothing. And I pray that you change our hearts so that we fall in love with that country and we fall in love with those children and that in our lifetime we never turn our backs on them. God, go with us now and help us to find the right day and listen to them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.